Well, good Saturday morning, and welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, good morning, Sean. How are you doing this morning? Doing really good. Looking forward to seeing what Yah's going to bring to us and bring to everybody else as well. Yep. And just like every other podcast, we're going to definitely get into worldly aspects that tie into understanding the concepts that we go with. Because like we've spoken about before, that everything from a worldly perspective has some tie either to God or the opposition of God. And so we can use anything and everything uh, that we have, it's like we have a great arsenal of tools to use for teaching the truth because you could take anybody's occupation, whatever they're doing, and you can correlate it to either faith in God or the rejection of faith in God. The, you, you, you can't get away from it. Um, and of course, that's the beauty part of why God gave us the worldly uh, understanding to be under the law, to understand it from a worldly perspective so that then we could then correlate it and turn it to the spiritual perspective uh, as well. And this is this topic here, just another one. Uh, I actually had this one pretty quick after we did the last podcast. Sometimes we wait till the day of, and that's when mother gives it to us. But this one was given to me and it fits in with the covenant and uh, it fits in with all the, everything that we talk about. The amazing thing about God is that everything that we talk about, it all ties together. It's like a big spider web that even the lines on the forest outside edge connect to the lines on the middle of the web and connect to the uh, lines in the middle of it. I mean, like in between the middle and the edge. So uh, just some pretty cool stuff. And it's pretty cool to be able to use uh, what, what they would say, uh, to be able to put the word of God in what they would call layman's terms. Because you and I, were not more than layman. Uh, we are because having faith in Messiah, but it's not us, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we'll get into this topic this morning, and I'll, I'll turn it over to you, see what's on your mind with the aspect of, uh, you know, what does it mean Abraham was credited with righteousness? Interesting how it's, because I, didn't know where we were going to be going with this, but actually just meditating a little bit this morning that I was given something that 
speaks to the worldly so that you can understand the spiritual. And I wouldn't say that everybody goes through this, um, but um, a lot of people have. I've been careful here recently to, to make a blanket term that everybody or all, because that's, that covers everything. And most people have a credit card. A lot of, some people don't. And a lot of people have debit cards and some don't, it's just not universal, but in the world that it's a, gives us an understanding of the truth of God. And just thinking about Abraham and not only Abraham, but Noah and Jonah and just different people in the word and was thinking about how Yah uses the people that are in the Bible to show different aspects of faith that, and and another one that came to mind was Job as well, that in the word of God that, and we said this before that the Bible is for the unbeliever And what it does is it gives so many examples of people and circumstances for you to understand faith that you can, now once you get further in faith, you can, the veil is lifted and you can actually see deeper into the Bible, the word of God, that what's going on. And it just made me think of different circumstances that people go through that can teach you different aspects of the faith journey. And this is one of them. And you think about it, that anybody that's going to come to a true faith in God has to be just like Abraham. I mean, Abraham seeking God with all of his heart, that he had to come to a point where, you know, he's seeking with all of his heart and he finds Yah and then Yah comes to him. And, you know, Abraham, leave your people in your land and go to the place that I'm going to show you. Well, that's a clear picture of faith that you have to be willing to leave father and mother, sister, brother in order to be worthy of Messiah. And even prophetic message there that in order to find Messiah, you got to be willing to leave everything, leave your life, leave your land, all those different things. And I was thinking about this. I um, was just thinking about something else this morning, and this fits in with what we're talking about is how many people out there have bought a house and you sign the papers to buy a house and unless you pay it off in full, which unless you're, you know, have a lot of money or wealth that most people don't take a house and just pay it all outright. You have a loan on it. And it came to mind this morning that you have that contract that you put on a house and there is a lien that is put on the house. And it made me think of Abraham that it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And I was thinking about you buy a house that just like with righteousness, you're, you sign the contract for the house, you have the house and it's in your possession, but you don't own it, but you have possession of it. And it's the same thing with Abraham, that God gave him the possession of righteousness, which would have been in his mind. He didn't have the capability to have righteousness in his heart at that time because Yeshua hadn't come, his work hadn't been completed, where he could have righteousness in his heart by circumcision of the heart. So Abraham circumcised his heart and did all that he could do. And it made me think that Yah gave him the righteousness 
because of his repentance to God. And Yah has a lien on that. And the only one that can take care of that lien is going to be Yeshua and his work. But he was righteous because he was righteous in his mind, setting his mind to follow God no matter what. And he was credited with righteousness, meaning because he did what was right, he obeyed God. He complied with God. And really, it was his heart that he wanted to do it. But that lien remains that you walk in repentance towards God. That's you doing your part to maintain the mortgage payment until it changes over to having a debit, which the difference between a debit and a credit, a credit is it's not your money that you're borrowing the money, just like you're borrowing righteousness for a time until you have the ability well, not you yourself, but Messiah's work enables you to pay off that debt to where you're now debited with righteousness. You are now the owner of righteousness. So it's just like with the house that you pay off your mortgage and you have the mortgage paper. You know, you have your title to the house. Well, with circumcision of the heart, mother releases the lien that's on that property. Now you're the owner of the house because you've been doing what it takes to make the payments. But Messiah paid off the debt that was there that you couldn't pay, that we couldn't pay. So now we're able to own righteousness. We're able now to be holy as Yah is holy. And what's interesting, because with the work that I do, I used to do uh, total loss vehicles where we would deal with titles of cars, which a title to a car, same thing as a title to a house. It's an ownership deed. You know, who owns the the car, or the house. And this came to mind this morning that when you pay off that loan, that the lien is released and there's actually a signature place where someone has to sign and sometimes even put a notary seal on there to release the, the debt. And you can actually be in possession of that title and have the lien released. And a lot of times what we would do is people would come to us and there would still be a lien showing on the title and the records. So what we would do is we would tell people, well, and they would say, well, the lien has been signed off on. So we would say, we'll go to the DMV and get a clean title, which means they will issue you a new title that shows no liens. And that's another worldly aspect of faith is that when you come to this fullness of faith with circumcision of the heart, you're a new creation in Messiah. You now have the ownership of faith and you now have a clean title because the lien has actually not only been signed, but it's been removed. And we have proof of this in the Old Testament where Yah says, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, that I will be their God and they shall be my people, you know, that I will forgive their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. And it just makes me think of well, what a beautiful picture of now in Messiah, you own righteousness now and that your sins have been forgiven. So don't go back to the old way because you now have a clean title. You've got a clean slate. And as long as you remain in the house and you don't walk away from it, you don't abandon the house to where it becomes condemned. Then you can, you continue in faith and you continue growing. So in faith, in the covenant, as you had mentioned that we've been talking about covenant, that you must come to Abba first through the first part of the contract, and he will credit you 
with righteousness, meaning that he will loan righteousness to you because of you turning to him and walking in his ways the best you can. But the goal is to transfer that to the spiritual aspect with Yeshua, that you start out as a credit to where that you've been given righteousness. But the point is, is that you and Messiah then become righteous and you own that property to where you're now at first you're a slave because you're making payments. You're a slave to whatever mortgage company you have, whatever loan that you have, you're a, you owe that debt and they still own it until they transfer the ownership to you, which is done in Messiah that now you can be righteous. You can be holy and it continues from there. And that just shows us clearly that you cannot start in the new covenant because you, you have a, a debt there. You have sin that has to be dealt with and you've got to go to prison for that debt. And there's only one person that can help you to get out of that debtor's prison. And that's going to be Messiah. And it's just, it, it's a must. It, it just is another picture of understanding in the world that you must go through the old covenant. You must go like Abraham did and be credited first with righteousness to then be proven. Are you going to make your payments? Are you going to be consistent in your walk? to where then I can now release you from this lien because you've proven yourself faithful. And then when Abba sees that, then he'll draw you to the son. And because the word says, even Yeshua's own words, that nobody comes to me unless the father draws him. And just like drawing up a contract, you're not going to be drawn up to this part of the contract unless you come to the father first. And he says, okay, I see there's potential here, but we're not going to move you on to my son until you've been proven and that you are going to be walking in my ways the very best you can. So that's, that's actually what was on my mind, even coming to mind as speaking now about this um, concept. And there's a lot to an aspect of what we're looking at. Because it, as we look at it, Abraham still had a, he had a debt. But it wasn't till he had proven himself with God that he actually got a credit for that debt that he owed. And it's kind of like you, prior to uh, repentance to God, which gives you that credit of righteousness. You've been stealing. You've been robbing, stealing, and writing bad checks from a faith perspective. And you have to pay it back. But you have nothing. You got what you got out of robbing, stealing, and cheating. And you have no credit. It's not an automatic that somebody who has, uh, who's just born in the world has a credit uh, of righteousness. No, that, that credit has to be, uh, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute, but you don't get a credit immediately. What's happening is you're robbing, stealing, and taking from God what doesn't belong to you. And you're racking up this great debt that is not 
a credit to you because a, again, a credit has to be something that is agreed upon between both parties. Like, just like we talked about with the covenants or the contract, it's the same thing. There has to be an agreement. And when you're not in agreement, well, you're just stealing from God. And so anybody who isn't seeking God with all of their heart is just robbing God, not just in tithes and offerings, but in, uh, pretty much every area of righteousness, you know, that's where self-righteousness comes from. Self-righteousness is you trying to steal righteousness from God that it's not yours. So don't try to steal it. Don't try to be self-righteous because it's like, no matter how you look at it, We by ourselves do not have the capability to pay the debt that is owed God for our transgression. But God knew that. They knew that before they even created Adam and Eve, before they created mankind at all. They knew that this is what's going to happen. They're going to rob and steal and do things that ought not be done. But we're going to send a way to show that he's going to teach you how to get the credit of righteousness that then is transferred to the debit of righteousness, where there's ownership in the midst of it. And many people claim ownership in God's kingdom, but only few are truly credited with righteousness, and then uh, few are uh, at the place where they're debited. So they have the ownership of it. And it's a, a sad thing that many people who claim faith in God sit still in debt, and they know they do, and your telltale is your guilt. When you sin, you have guilt, and that guilt says there's a price you need to pay for this, and you know that price is death, that the penalty for sin, the wages of sin is death, so you've sinned, the only thing you can do is die and burn eternal, except for God sent his son to live just like us in order that he would show and give us an example that we would walk in his footsteps. And going back to you touched on the, the aspect of the old covenant, which is uh, just as prevalent today as it was before. And what's interesting about it is, is why would uh, the writer of Hebrews say about the Old Testament prophets and Abraham and Noah, why would they say that it's such a great cloud of witnesses. What witness can they be to us if we don't have to fall under the first covenant itself? We have to come to God under the law. We have to come to him, uh, and what you're doing is you're applying for the loan. Because to get a loan, you have the application process, just like to get a job. You have the application process. And when you 
go through the application process, what does the the bank or the lender do? Well, okay, show me your financials. Show me what you have, uh, what you're making, and show me how you're going to pay, make payments on this house or car or whatever, this business, whatever it is that you're borrowing money for. Because they're not just going to blanket say, oh, you want a loan? Sure, not a problem. We, we don't care if you know how to pay it back or not. No, because you have to show some ability to pay it back. And just like what happens in the world is sometimes you have the ability to pay it back, but then something happens in life. You lose your job. Uh, you know, you get sick and you're sick for a long time. And now all of a sudden you can't afford to pay that. But you signed the contract. You still owe the money. You have to pay it. You, you, you have to pay it. And it'll chase you till you die. And then after you die, it'll chase your, your kids. And after they die, it'll chase their kids until somebody pays that debt. That, that You have to pay that debt. And so part of the process is that you have to apply. The problem that most people have is that they have nothing that they can offer God. Well, no, everybody in the beginning has nothing they can offer God, which means that you, in order to get that, to be able to be in a place of applying for a loan, you have to go into bankruptcy, where in bankruptcy, that's when the debts are removed. That And God had a similar aspect with the uh, Israelites, the de- the uh, year of atonement, when the debts were forgiven and the slaves were set free, that you you but you have to file bankruptcy with God, which is a complete broken spot of you know nobody wants to file bankruptcy, but if it's necessary, then. You need to do it because it really is the best thing for you. It doesn't seem like it. It's got a bad, uh, it's got kind of like a bad vibe to it. And But the reality is, is that if you can't afford to pay your debts, you need to file bankruptcy. But here's the key with bankruptcy. And I can speak to this because we've been through it. And here's the key. You must make a change of your mind and your attitude in spending for that bankruptcy to be any good for you. And the beauty part about God is they know what to look for to determine whether you're going to end up in that debt again or whether you really are going to change. And that key factor is repentance. That when you're applying for the, the loan, well, you can't even get to that until you realize that you're bankrupt, until you realize 
you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, and you can't afford anything from God, then you have to go and plead with God for bankruptcy first before you can then apply after God says, okay, well, let me see what your attitude is in this bankruptcy. You know, and I know for us, uh, you know, of course, that was one of the things, I'll never file bankruptcy. And what I would say to people is, don't, don't ever say never, because you'll find yourself in those positions because it's necessary. And you have to change your mindset. And that's what we did. You know, when we filed bankruptcy, I was like, I'm never going to do that again as far as it's in my control. Now, things could happen. You know, medical bills can, you know, if somebody gets uh, sick or you get your in an accident or you're in the hospital or whatever, medical bills, and you know this from insurance, medical bills can get uh, crazy and you can't afford to pay that back, then you file bankruptcy because it's there to give you a relief and a reprieve uh, from what you owe. But the mindset has to be that as far as it's concerned with me, I will not be in that position because of my ignorant spending to be in bankruptcy again. Now, I'm not being arrogant about that. It's just being a reality that, no, I'm not going to do that again because I did it once. And if I continue that pattern, well, then I sit in insanity and I'm not making any changes. Why would any creditor want to give me uh, credit on something if I'm not able to prove faithful in making a change? And to do that, you have to change your spending habits. You have to change things. And then after you get through the bankruptcy with Yah, then you have to apply for a loan, a credit of righteousness, just, you know, and Abraham did the same thing. And so there's, there's just so much depth to pretty much everything that we talk about uh, in understanding uh, because, again, like we talked about with the Old Testament and how you have to walk through the, the Old Covenant law first, that's what the great cloud of witnesses was. That's what they walked that when they couldn't walk the spirit of it. They, they, and they circumcised their heart. They weren't able to have the circumcision of the heart done by the spirit because that didn't come until after Messiah came and died and finished his work. Then that's when, you know, that's why he went back into the depth of the earth to go back to those who were walking in the obedience, who had the credit of righteousness. Now, okay, it's been paid. Come on, follow me. All right, Abraham, we're going to go over here. And so everybody's going to come with us to Abraham's side. All those who had faith in God, who walked in the uh, obedience to the absolute best of their ability, even though they did not do it perfectly, come with me. 
we're all going to be over here on Abraham's side. Everybody else is going to the other side of the abyss, and you're going to stay in torture until the final judgment. And so they walked, they went through the bankruptcy, they applied for righteousness from God, and when you apply for money, they're going to check and they're going to be sure that you can pay it back before they're going to let you use the money that they have. Now, when you have a credit of righteousness, then that's when your sins are forgiven because you have repented to Abba. But just because your sins have been forgiven, remember, you're just, you brought up the credit card. Every time that pre-circumcision of the heart done by mother, every time you sin, you're swiping that credit card, and, but you're continually building the debt because you can't pay it. You don't have what it takes to pay it until you crucify yourself with Messiah, that you walk as he did, and you shed your blood spiritually where you're humble to give up, you know, that everybody else is more important than me. And you've crucified yourself. Now you get the debit, you get ownership, you get the fullness of deity in bodily form. But that's something that Abraham couldn't have in his day because he could only circumcise his heart and we have to keep in mind, and we've talked about this before, that there's two places where there's two different types of circumcision of the heart that are spoken of. Uh, one is your part of circumcision of the heart, and the other one is God's part of circumcision of the heart. So in the Old Testament, it says circumcise your hearts. Well, that's what was giving them the ability to uh, be in favor in God and have the credit of righteousness, they were able to be forgiven because they truly wanted to be absolutely obedient to God. But they were not capable of not sinning because the other aspect of the heart, one is your conscious mind and the other is your subconscious mind. You circumcising your heart is you doing it in your conscious mind with absolution, and you know it, and this is what we're going to do. But your subconscious, the, the heart that Messiah spoke about, that what comes out of the mouth is the overflow of the heart, is your lower conscience, and you can't control that until you have circumcision of the heart done by mother. And then you can start to control and clean. You can get control it from a righteous perspective because you can control it, but only from a wicked, evil, sinful perspective until you have the circumcision of the heart. So you have your part, which has to be you circumcise your heart in your mind, which is the absolution of faith in God in your mind. That gives you the credit of righteousness when God says, okay, now I see all right, now I'm going to move you to Messiah so you can watch his life. 
you can live like he did and you can pay the same price that he did and that will settle your debt. And it's not because it's not you, it's you following Messiah because without Messiah, you couldn't have done that in the first place anyway. You could not have or would not have without having a, an example to show you that somebody in the body of flesh could do these things and therefore you following Messiah, you do what he did, then he covers your debt by you paying your debt of self, selfishness to God. And then from then on, you have a, a debit of righteousness. And when you have a debit of righteousness, there is no sin. There's no ability for sin. So, I mean, there's just a, a, there's a whole lot to it, but I'll turn it back over to you. Well, yeah, because I had this thought because you had said you've been through the bankruptcy, but in faith, everybody has to be bankrupt. And, and this came to mind, how many people that in the world think about filing for bankruptcy and they don't, and there's a key as to why people don't, and there's a key in this of finding the fullness of faith in Yah is, do you have a humbleness to be able to apply for bankruptcy? Because I was thinking about this this morning about humility and a scripture that we've said many times and is so important is when Yah says that if my people <clears throat> who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Well, you have to come to Yah in humility knowing that you're bankrupt because bankruptcy bankruptcy isn't something that you just do and then, oh, all my debts are gone and I don't owe anybody anything. Or No, it's on your record. And it's a serious thing because you realize that there's um, debtors out there that want their money and that they're not necessarily crazy about their debt being taken away because you owe me money, but with God, that they're willing to, I'm willing to forgive you of this debt but you have to, to do something on your side. Like you said, you have to have that repentance, which says that I agree with your ways and I'm going to do everything I can to walk in your ways and do my part and to show you that I'm not going to get in debt anymore because I don't desire to have all this debt built up. I don't desire to sin anymore. And the reason that you, that every person before faith in Messiah is bankrupt is because sin being there having sin in your life, there is absolutely nothing you could do to pay off the debt because sin is there. And y'all looks at that and says, even if you've done one thing against the law, you've broken it all that you've broken covenant and there is nothing that you of yourself can do. And you're just left there helpless and you humble yourself and you cry out to God and okay, I'm willing to forgive your sins, but don't stay there. You know, I'm, I'm, giving you the opportunity to have righteousness, but I want you to be able to own it so that you can walk in this and make it your very life. And it is just like in the world because, and we'll talk about buying a house or a car, you get pre-qualified first, seeking with all your heart. And Yah says, okay, well, you know, you're in the qualification process and then you go to um, getting pre-approved for a loan 
which, you know, we've checked your, your credit score and all these things. Okay. Now, all right, you look like you'd be a good candidate. And then now you apply for the loan, but in order for you to get the loan, like you had said before, that they're going to look in your background, they're going to look in your past to see what am I seeing in your past that even though I know that you don't have the capability to pay this off, are you making payments? Are you consistent? Are you trustworthy? And I can see that. And then, okay, we'll go through the loan process, but just realize that this is a loan for you and that somebody's got to pay this back and see Abraham. People may think that, well, Abraham didn't understand Yeshua coming and all that. Yeah, he did. Because it even said that Abraham, in Yeshua's own words, that Abraham was looking forward to his day and would embrace him because, and even Messiah said that if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So Abraham seeing Abba, that the, the son would be doing the same things that Abba is doing. And therefore, because you've committed to God by faith that you would transfer to the new covenant if you were alive, because Abraham would continue to walk in Yah's ways. And when the son came, he would accept the son because you've accepted the father. And that's the thing. And Abba knows that, that if you don't accept me, you won't accept my son in the same way. If you reject Messiah, you reject Abba as well. And it's just, it's just a beautiful picture that any and everything in the world shows you a picture of faith in God, and you cannot get away from these aspects of the covenant. If you try to bypass it, you're, you're just going to be left with nothing. But it's interesting how in the spiritual that people will bypass things. But in the world, like, you know, just down the road from where we are, if I said, you know what, I like that, that new Jeep Gladiator, I'm going to just go in there and just buy one. You're not going to walk in there and just say, give me a loan on this Jeep, and I want to drive it off the lot today. They're going to say, well, let's run some credit reports. Well, why do you need credit reports? You know, I've, I'll, I'll pay the loan. We check your credit and we see you have bad credit. We're not giving you this money because we're lending you the money or whatever bank that we use is lending you this money. And if you don't pay it back, then we're going to take it back and then we're going to have to resell it. So we're, no, it's going to make us look bad because nobody's going to want to buy a vehicle from us and banks aren't going to lend us their money because if people can't pay the money back, then we're not going to have a business anymore. And so it just, what, what I, I'm sure you've heard this when you were a kid and I haven't heard this in a long time, but the enemy is a loan shark. Cause he's going to bring you, yeah, you can apply for, you can get this. You accept Jesus as Lord and savior and you've got it. You've got salvation. Yeah. You've got it. Sign right here. And yeah, you don't have to do anything and you just, yeah, but that loan is going to be defaulted on when at the end Messiah is going to say, all right, where's the debt? Pay it. I didn't, but I, I thought I paid all the payments. I thought I did everything. No, you didn't have anything. So get away from me. That it's just bringing you a false sense of you've got the fullness of God. You've got everything. And no, but did you read the terms of what? Well, I don't need any terms. All I need is accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's it. I don't need anything else. And no discussion of repentance or, well, yeah, repentance is a part of it, but you just, you feel sorry. No, but that's not what it is because what about this debt of sin? Oh, that's right. You know, Jesus forgives your sins. It's okay. You don't need to worry about that. Your debt's been paid in full. And it's like, no, that you must walk this way. And I had this thought actually this morning that with the law being given, the written code, that 
Yah owns all of it. And yeah, it made me think of the, the written code is Yah's putting a lien on everything that no matter what you do, you can't bypass and get around this without me being involved in it because I'm going to keep you in debt because of sin. You're kept in debt until you have a way to pay off this debt that everybody, until you come to the fullness of faith in God, you are in debt to me and you can't pay off this debt. You have to, you're left helpless. Well, yeah, I've kept your law. No, but it doesn't matter because you're bankrupt and there's nothing you can do. There's no works you could do. Um, you of yourself that would be able to pay off this loan to be able to be right. That it just, it makes it to where every person has to come to Yah in that bankrupt state and you have to fall at their feet and Yah have mercy on me because I cannot pay this debt. Help me. I want to be in relationship with you, but there's nothing that I can give. And Yah says, yeah, there is something you can give. And it's your very life. It's being willing to sacrifice everything because have you heard this term that when you, you get a loan that they'll say, what do you have for collateral? And y'all say, what do you have for collateral? Well, yeah, all I have is my very life. Okay. Well, that's your collateral that that's what, because what else can you put up? You, you have a, a life full of sin. So what, yeah, is there anything that I can do? And y'all say, well, there's no collateral. And it's like, well, I'm willing to give you everything. Okay. Well, I'll accept that. But that that's the only thing that I'll accept because anything else, there's no works, there's no good deeds you could do as collateral to be able to show yourself worthy other than you just give Yah your word and, all right, well, we're going to test you in this to, to, to pre-approve you. And then once you're pre-approved, okay, well, now you've got this loan, you've got this repentance, but you must continue to walk in repentance to show that you're you know doing what you can do to pay off this debt, even though you're not able to. And it's the same way with Abraham and the prophets that they were doing everything that they could do. And they were in the holding place just waiting for Messiah to, you know, make the exchange to where they could be released from the debtor's prison. And, and, uh, Abraham also, he, uh, he made payments on the, credit of righteousness that he had whenever he offered a sacrifice to God he was making a payment because that's part of the agreement is that you make this payment of the sacrifices from the old covenant perspective well that's all good but when messiah came now the sacrificial system is gone so you have nothing to offer god you have to file bankruptcy that complete bankruptcy in the midst of it and so just uh, an important aspect to look at as we're uh talking about this that even Abraham made payments, but those payments were just interest on the loan. So he was paying the interest by him offering the sacrifices, and ultimately those sacrifices that he was offering to pay the interest is the same thing of you offering your sacrifice of self to God to give up, to be willing to leave 
mother or father, husband or wife, son or daughter, that I'm sacrificing my life for you, God, not that I'm doing anything to anybody else from a hateful perspective, but I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. And that's what I want to do. And so that's part of the process is that you still in your, uh, in your circumcision of the heart, you're making payments by your mind being steadfast in I'm going to be righteous before God, even though you're not capable in your uh, body to do that at that point. Just make the payments. Prove to God that you're capable of keeping up with the interest. And then when you prove faithful in that and God has tested you, then they say, okay, now we're going to give you the righteousness that is now ownership to you. And it's interesting because many people will go to God and have gone to God like they would walk up to a bank and say, truest, I accept you as a loan bank and as the one who's going to give me a loan, give me a loan. I mean, it's the exact same concept as accept Jesus as Lord and Savior that you're doing. And that gets you nothing. No institution's just going to say, okay, you accepted us as a, a loan institution, as, as a bank. So, yep, we'll give you the loan. No, we're not going to worry about checking your financials or anything like that. We're just going to give you a loan. And people know that that's, that's ridiculous in the world to just, expect that you accept the bank as a bank and that's what they do and they give loans so give me a loan no you know that's not going to happen so why do you expect god's going to do that and again we have the uh physical aspect to teach us the spiritual aspect as well well there's so many circum circum not circumstances so many situations with this information and um just thinking about this this morning that of the persons in the in the bible that look at uh, the different circumstances that people were in so that people can look at and understand the truth of god i mean i was just just thinking about this morning this came to mind with uh, jonah that Jonah went to Nineveh and proclaimed that, you know, that this city is going to be destroyed. And the people heard it and it said that they believed God and that the word got all the way back to the king of Nineveh and that he called that everybody, you know, man, child, animal would fast and that he put on sackcloth and ashes and repented and because we've been talking about the terror of God, you must see God as a terror first. And it says talking about the people knew, realized the terror of God to put on that sackcloth and ashes, to be able to humble themselves and repent to God. And said, when God saw their repentance, that he relented because the people saw that realized that God would, would respond in anger if they would wouldn't repent. And I was just thinking about, 
with that, that gives you a picture that shows you that each person is Nineveh. That there's wickedness in the city, and if you don't repent of this wickedness, if you don't repent to God, that Nineveh is going to be destroyed. That each person, man or woman, is the you could look at as the king or queen of Nineveh. That God is setting out the warning of terror that, that you're going to be destroyed if you don't repent. Well, if you don't see God as a terror, then you're not going to put on sackcloth and ashes, which means you're going to go low to the ground. You're going to humble yourself and realize that you deserve death and you don't turn to God in repentance, then Yah is not going to relent. Well, when Abba relents, then you can move on to the son and then to, to mother. And just think about that. And then even Jonah getting upset with Yah that, you know, he got angry and, you know, because he had this vine growing up over him to shade him and there was a worm that ate the plant. And God says, do you have any reason to be angry? That do I not have concern for, I think it was like 120,000 people were in Nineveh that they don't even know their their right hand from their left. And I was just sitting there thinking about this this morning that, wow, even when you come to understand this, don't get upset at other people or even with Yah about what people are doing or aren't doing. Have concern for those people that do you not realize all the people around you that are don't know their left hand from the right that should not be concerned about that and that those people need to repent. So, but what was interesting in it was that the, the decree that the King made, he said that each person would put on sackcloth and ashes and evaluate themselves. It wasn't saying to go out and point the finger at everybody else and you need to turn from your, it said that the, it called for each person to look at themselves and repent. And I was like, wow. So even Yah, in the Bible is giving a picture of the first part of the covenant that you have to come to Abba as a terror to apply for this loan and realize that you're broken for him to be able to relent and say, okay, now I'll give you a loan. But until then, like you go to that bank that you don't go to them as a terror. I'm not listening to anything you say. I don't care if you yell and scream. I'm not even opening the doors, but it just spoke to me of when you transfer from being in unbelief to belief that it transfers from the the written Bible to the Word of God and the Word of God, Yah speaking to me, showing, do you see how people, even you, don't have anger towards us over something? Are you justified in this frustration or in this, you know, what's the right anger to have in this? And it just it showed me a picture of, wow, so even in the Old Testament, because people will talk about Jonah. Well, Jonah, he got swallowed by the big fish, the big whale, and then Yah spit him out and that's the story of Jonah. But how much in the story of Jonah do you see about people saying, look at the king of Nineveh and the decree about repentance towards God because God is going to come destroy and God is a terror? I don't remember hearing that when I was growing up in church that that it was about, it was just about, oh, look at Jonah. See, and he was with God and God saved him from the belly of the fish. Well, you better be sure that you're not in that belly of the fish like that you'll be in the abyss just sitting there that Yah will put you in the abyss, get to the place where you repent and the fish will spit you out. So you're not stuck in the belly of a fish, you know, stuck in your own selfishness, you know, just sitting there thinking about this, that the, the part of the story that's the key is missed. And the, the fact of the king of this city made a decree because he feared God to don't drink any water, don't eat, 
you fall on your face prostrate before God and you make sure that you see God as a terror because this you will be destroyed just like Nineveh if you don't find your place for repentance. You know, even Messiah warning that it would be better for those people at Nineveh than for you because the Son is here telling you to repent and you ignore me. It's going to be better for those people that repented in Nineveh than for you because the Son is here being one greater than Jonah and you're rejecting this. So meaning this being brought out is just talking about how the understanding the contract that Yah speaks of this contract, that if you want to apply for a loan for God, you've got to see God as a terror for God to even to listen to you because it says that when Yah saw their repentance, then Yah relented. But until then, know that you're going to be destroyed. And that's the thing is, you have to see God as a terror first in order to even have a credit of righteousness and then continue to have a debit of righteousness. But it just, it, just speaking about this, it, it just speaks more of Yah's truth because you said that spider web, you cannot get away from the terror of God. Now you can ignore it, but you're on that spider web. You must see that terror. Well, with Jonah, it's so interesting because as you were talking about, I was sitting there thinking about that, and I was like, wow. Well, Sean, is Jonah one of the ones listed in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, as one of those as a great cloud of witnesses? No, it's it's not, because without repentance, Jonah's attitude going to end him up in eternal burning. Here's a thought that mother had given me while you were talking about this is that if you look at Jonah's disdain for the people of Nineveh and the fact he didn't want them to be able to be forgiven for the wickedness that they had is a representation of the uh, pharisaical Jew, Jewish perspective when it came to the Gentiles that they had disdain for the Gentiles. That's why they didn't hang out with the Gentiles, and that's why they they uh, stayed away from them because, well, they're they're unclean, and we we don't want to have nothing to do with them. And you know, God, don't forgive them, but forgive us. And the attitude of righteousness before God is, oh, forgive them, for they know not what they do, no matter. Uh, who they are, no matter what tribe they're from, no matter what nation they come from, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it's just, it's really a beautiful thing that God has laid out. And you read the story of Jonah and you can see his disdain for the people and he didn't want them to uh, be able to repent. And if God's shown you mercy and you don't show somebody else mercy, that's the quickest way for you to blaspheme the spirit and remove yourself from faith. Because you prove, one, mercy will not be shown to anyone who does not show mercy. So you must. You must show mercy. Why? Because you understand the bankruptcy that you had. It would be like me looking at somebody else in bankruptcy and saying, 
well, they're an idiot for being in bankruptcy. They don't know what they're doing. But it, for me, though, it, it was okay. No, it, it's to recognize that, wow, there's a lot of people in that position. And sometimes the thing that keeps you from filing bankruptcy is your own pride. Because I, I know I struggled with that in the process of doing the bankruptcy. You're worried about what other people are going to think. and But you know what? There comes a point where it doesn't matter. I, I, I can't pay this debt on my own. And the only way to get it relieved is through this bankruptcy process. So I'm going to go through it. But I'm going to make sure that I never, never, when it, as, it, as it is in my control, that I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to spend like I did before when I didn't have the money to spend. You put it on credit or, well, it's coming. I got this money coming. And, you know, a lot of times people spend their uh, federal taxes before they get them back. They're already spent. Well, that's what we call a spending mentality. And if you have a spending mentality, you have to change that. And I haven't completely, absolutely overcome a spending mentality, but I'm getting it more in a balance where I'm not going <clears throat> I'm not going to spend it if I don't have it to spend. And then when I spend it, I'm going to pay it off if I use a credit card or I uh, or I'm on a loan with something, I'm going to pay it back because uh, I'm, I'm not going to uh, buy beyond what I can afford. And that's where you have to look at it and say, if, if I don't have the cash to buy it, meaning I don't have the money in the bank to afford it now, don't buy it because you're never going to be able to afford it because there's always going to be some special surprise that's going to come your way that you're not expecting and it's going to stick you when, when you have that spending mentality. And obviously you have to spend your money, but spend your money and stop spending everybody else's money. And if you have a credit card, like uh, we have credit cards now again from bankruptcy, but they're always at a zero, zero balance at the end of every month at the end of the cycle. We pay them off because we're not overspending to where we can't pay it off and you have to pay the minimum. And when you start paying the minimum, then the interest really all you're paying is the interest on what you owe. And you're paying the minimum will never, will never satisfy that. And so God doesn't, when you have the credit of righteousness, God doesn't accept anything less than the full payment. And the full payment is your absolute mindset in the fact that you don't want to sin and you're going to fight it tooth and nail to the absolute best of your ability. Then you keep making those payments until God says, okay, we see that you're, you're, you've proven yourself that you have the ability to pay this off. So now we're going to give you a uh, debit of righteousness where sin is no longer a factor for you. 
that now you have ownership in it. You have the fullness of deity and bodily form. So you you do not sin, and it's a beautiful place to be. I just said something that came to mind with the credit, and because I have credit cards, and, and I do, me and my wife, we do the same thing, that if anything is on a credit card, the goal is that to pay it off either by the end of the month or even immediately, like we have the capability of paying immediately online now. And that's the thing is that with credit is it's not that you, that it's necessarily wrong to have credit cards or anything like that. But if you are managing your finances that the, you use that, like it just made me think of like you're on a trip or something and you use a credit card or you have a big appliance or something. It's okay. We have the money. But just at this moment, I don't have the capability to get you all the money at this moment. So let me borrow your money and I'll go get the money. It's just like, hey, uh, Phil, can I borrow like $5 from me? And you say yes. And I was like, but I have it at home. I'll go get it. And you're like, okay, well, you're trustworthy here. Here's the money. But the mindset is when I ask you for that is I'm going to get it and bring it right back to you. It's not, oh, yeah, 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 I'll pay it off eventually. No, wait a minute. Now, if you're borrowing my money, then I want it back tomorrow at this time. And when you've proven faithful in that, then, and it's just thing with repentance that once you've proven that you're paying your part consistently, then I will say, okay, well, now I see you're consistent in your loan payments. Now we'll step in because that's the thing. Like that's how you build credit is you have debt, but then you pay on it and you do your part. And that's how you build credit. Like you don't build credit by not having any debt. Like you just don't, well, I'll get a credit card and I'll just never use it. Yeah, but you don't build a credit score because you don't, the The point of this is you have this capability to be trusted. So what are you going to do with this trust that I've given to you? Are you going to, you know, not use the money wisely to where you're not trustworthy or are you going to use it wisely? And then we'll step in because it makes me think of draw near to God, they'll draw near to you. You do your part and then they will do their part once they see that you've been proven trustworthy, that you're you're willing to pay off the debt, even though you can't pay it off, you'll still make payments to do your part the best you can to be, you know, of good faith because you mentioned medical bills earlier. And I've even had this in our life where we had a lot of medical bills and the hospitals are willing to work with you if you're willing to work with them, because <laughs> if you just say, well, you need to knock this bill down to a hundred dollars a month, they'll say, okay, but you're going to be able to pay a hundred dollars a month or are you just going to, you just doing this to swindle us or whatever. But yeah, if we can see you're going to at least pay something, then we're willing to knock it down. But most of the time they don't come to you to negotiate the billing. You have to go to them first. And same thing with y'all. You've got to go to them first, just like the bank that, and I just wish this bank would just give me money. Well, no bank is coming to you. You've got to go to them because they're the ones. Yah is the the spiritual bank. They've got all the spiritual blessings and they'll pour that out to you. But you have to come to them in order to get access to, to the bank, to the facility, whatever it is. And there's so much wealth with the truth of God that we are so spiritually wealthy now to where people would say, are you rich? And we could say, yes, very wealthy, very rich. But it's treasures that are in heaven. It's not things on this earth. And Yah has provided all of our needs and given access in the, in the world that we're in. But the spiritual blessings, the things that we get from Yah is just, you can't put a price on it. It's priceless. You know, the truth of God being able to understand 
the gospel message, being able to understand what it is to have faith and to understand, to have knowledge and wisdom. I mean, there's not a, a price that you can put on that. But unfortunately, people, because they're not seeking God with all their heart, they don't understand this process of the contract and the way Yah works in that that's why that the enemy is called the deceiver because it, it, it deceives people into thinking that you can get a loan or you can bypass the things of God. And you're not able to do that, that you must go in the order that God has set. And that's why we have all these instances of people in the Bible. That's why we have Abraham and Noah and Moses and Samuel and Saul and all these people to look at, to say, how is this speaking to me? in regards to faith is what this person is doing, not doing, you know, how does this speak to faith in God? Because if you really look and with the help of Yah, you can see so many scenarios in the word that just gives you insight into all the truth and understanding. And and you have everything that you could possibly need to find the fullness of faith in Yah. And, and it's all there. It's just that you've got to look for it and understand it. And you can understand the things of God with things in the world just like this, that I wouldn't have thought of, you know, applying for a loan and having a lien on a title to where that that's you saying that, yeah, you've been given this car, but we still own the car. I was like, what a beautiful picture. And then you sign the lien release. Yah signs that. And then, all right, now you can get the title transferred into your name like you're transferred into Messiah that now the car is in your name now and you own it, but you own the car just like with circumcision heart. Now you clean up the lower conjugate. You you're the owner. You, cause if you, you don't take care of your car, it's going to break down. It's going to get dirty. So you now have more responsibility because you're the owner. Now you can't blame God because no, you own it. So you blame us. Be very careful because you're the one that agreed to this and we transfer this into your name that we're expecting you to be responsible. And obviously, Yah is not going to give circumcision of the heart if they don't see that somebody is proven trustworthy. But just because you go out on your own, you still have to prove trustworthy as you continue. So it's just it's a like you own a house. People think, well, I own the house now. Well, now you've got more responsibility because you're the owner. And you can't blame anybody else. And that's the thing. When we come to this fullness of faith that we now realize, oh my gosh, I've been blaming God for these things. I've been blaming other people. I'm not doing that anymore because I own this now. This is my responsibility. And that's why I was speaking to me this morning about Jonah, that it was just sticking out on the page that you turn from your wicked ways. You humble yourself, quit pointing the finger at others, have mercy on those that don't understand, that don't know the right hand from the left, that these people don't know what they're doing. And they need the help of Yah, just like I've gotten it. They need repentance towards Abba and just realize that people are walking around in Nineveh and there's going to be times that you're going to go to them and say, this city is going to be destroyed if you don't repent. And just, yeah, I just hope they repent, but just have mercy because you've had mercy on me, have mercy on them. They don't understand what they're doing. And just giving us a picture of, there's just people that are walking around in Nineveh and they don't want to put on sackcloth and ashes. Well, unfortunately, if you don't put on sackcloth and ashes and repent to Abba, then you're going to, your city is going to be destroyed ultimately in the end. So turn to God, you know, don't delay. And it was just speaking to me about that is specifically about the humbling yourself. Cause when you humble yourself before God, you cannot humble yourself 
before God if you don't humble yourself before other people because you're going to think that you're better than other people. And no, because, yeah, you can humble yourself before God, but put yourself lower than other people that are around to show the true humility towards God that you're willing to not think less of yourself, but think of yourself less. That yeah, these people, they just don't understand. Have mercy on them, you know, that they're just not seeing what they're doing and then give them the best opportunity to turn to you instead of holding resentment and anger towards others because they're not repenting. Abraham, in his credit of righteousness, was still giving God everything he could. He wasn't holding anything back. You know, look at the the different times when Abraham, take your family and your belongings and get up and go. And so he gave everything. He He left his father's house and his father's land and went on a journey that he, he didn't know where he was going, but he was trusting God and giving God the absolution in trust. And therefore he was making those payments. And I, uh, another aspect of proof that Abraham was giving everything that, that I, uh, he was giving God his all was take your son, your son, Isaac, and, put him up on the altar and you're going to offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham didn't waver in unbelief because he knew that God had the power to bring his son back from the dead. If he actually sacrificed him, but Abraham wasn't focused on that. He was focused on the fact that this is what God asked for. That's what I'm giving. I'm giving my, all. And until you're willing to give your all, set aside what your wife thinks, what your husband thinks, what your kids think, what your friends, what your family, what any people, anybody you work with, you set aside what they think. And God, I'm going to do what is right before you, period. And so you have to do the very same thing that Abraham did. And that's the, the, aspect is you through walking in the old covenant you have to prove to god that you're going to pay everything that you possibly can knowing that what you have is not enough that messiah has to have come and showed you to crucify yourself with him he had to show you to do that So now you give everything that you have. Everything that is yours is God's now. And if God asks for it, you don't waver in unbelief. And no, that's what you want. And I know that it's you telling me that's what you want. That's what I'm going to give you. And I don't care what anybody else thinks because the concern has to be with God and not with self. And it's all part of the process, and it's it's an absolute must. And unfortunately, this has been set aside, but it's an absolute must that you walk through the application process for true, full faith in God in order for you to have it. You can't skip 
the application process and just get credit. Oh, the banks are just coming to me. Hey, here, we're throwing money at you. Here. No, they may do that to people that they know have the money, have the capability to pay it off because, you know, that well, they got a billion dollars and they they definitely have the way to pay it off. And if they don't have it in finances, they have it in assets and we can take it out of their assets. So we'll, we'll go and we'll offer you a loan. Because sometimes you'll get loan offers, but you can bet that there's a, a an aspect of we're going to get paid back. And not only are we going to get paid back, we're going to get paid back with interest on it. And so it's just really important that people understand that if you've just accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, that does absolutely nothing for you in the eyes of God. That now in the eyes of the loan shark of the enemy, yes, he'll tell you that, yes, you're saved. Everything's good. You don't have to worry about it. But you can't. Until you've walked where Abraham is, you cannot, you cannot have the new covenant, the new agreement, because you haven't applied for that agreement. You haven't come to the one that you're going to sign the contract with and made the agreement that, hey, this is what we're going to do. And I'll do whatever it takes to get this done. And so it's just, it's it's huge for people to understand that you have to walk through the, the covenant law of God first. And I want to make this clear. We're not saying by any stretch of the imagination that by you walking through the covenant law of God, that that uh, earns you anything. No, you walk through the covenant of God so that you can prove to them that you mean what you say. You're not going to earn your salvation because it's the grace of God. It's a gift. But there are stipulations that you have to fill in order to have that salvation. And one of those stipulations is you must walk in the old covenant law and you walk in that until you recognize your wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked bankruptcy that you cannot afford and it breaks you because there's no way that I can pay this back. That's when you start pleading to God for the credit of righteousness. And I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll do anything, but don't say that unless you really mean it, because God's going to put you to the test. Okay, you say you're going to do anything. What are you going to do when this situation happens or that situation happens? Are you going to be okay with it? And uh, this isn't funny, Bob, just just how, not just Mother, but Yeshua and Abba work, that they'll just give you like a little nugget, a little piece of information. And I don't know if you ever thought about this, but because I know, Phil, you've applied for loans before. And I'm sure you've heard of this term, but do you remember who the person is behind the scenes that you don't know a name, but there's somebody behind the scenes that's a part of the loan writing, the, the loan application process? And I never thought about this, and this makes sense. Go ahead. Um, what's coming to my mind would be the underwriter. Exactly right. And 
because we look at this and at times you think, well, where is the spirit in the old Testament? Now it says like my spirit and it'll, it'll mention mother, but it just made me think of, think about mother being the detail that cause you, you have to go through underwriting and it made me think of you applied to Abba and mothers there looking at the details of your past and things that like, she's the one that, cause it's not that you couldn't find out who the underwriter is. Like even with the company I work for, you can look in there and it'll tell you who the underwriter is, but most of the time it's the agent that goes to the underwriter. You don't go to the underwriter direct. And it made me think, wow, mother there by Abba side that she's the underwriter that has the information, the details that, that it's them together looking at you and you come to him as the terror, but then mother's there say, okay, well, I remember when they were a kid and they did this and, and this and this, and they look at your background. Cause I remember we said this before, but what was it about us that we came to this? Well, cause you have somebody looking behind all these things like behind the scenes and made me think of, wow, mother's the underwriter and Abba's is the uh, loan officer that's there and they work together to where, okay, well, cause we're in agreement that, you know, obviously Abba and Ema will be are unified and they'll agree with whomever they give a loan to, but you're not just like getting all upset at the underwriter. You're like, no, that's part of our internal process to figure out who we're going to give a loan to. And I mean, that's the thing, like you said, the depth of this is, is, is huge. And how many times do we see Yeshua in the new Testament reference the old, like, they they're the ones that brought up Abraham to him and he was telling them, well, because they had mentioned that, well, Abraham's our father. And he said, well, if Abraham was your father, you would do what Abraham did and, and all these different things. So, I mean, with Yeshua's work, he was referencing the old Testament and what he was doing. He wasn't referencing the new Testament when he didn't have the writings of the new Testament. When he was there, it was the old Testament. It was Isaiah. It was the, you know, Isaiah said of these people or the prophet said of you people these days. And same thing with Paul that, you know, the, the prophecy was this and this would be done and that would be done. And, and that's, what's really speaking to me about this this morning is, is that there's a process on this and you have to go through the old Testament. Like that starts the loan process, but people think that, no, you just go to the new Testament and you don't even have a loan yet. And that's the thing is you don't just, you're not going to barge into a bank because if you do, it's going to be robbery. Just like Yeshua said, if anybody gets in any other way, then the, the sheep's pen or the gate, they're a thief and a robber. So you can't just try to scale the wall. Like I'm going to climb the wall and get in. No, because in order even to get to the sheep's pen to the gate, you've got to go through Abba and Ema first to even get there. Then you can come in to the sheep pen and then you're supposed to stay in there because that just came to mind. It was like anything else is a thief or a robber. If you try to come in any other way. And really, if we were to leave here and just go to this local bank and just demand money, what happens? The officer is going to tackle you and arrest you because you're trying to rob me and demand something instead of going through the process. I mean, what bank are you going to go to? You have to open an account first. You got to open a checking account, a savings account. Then you can do business with me. And see, that's the thing, just like the mafia, you've got to go to the boss first for help because I'm not doing business with you unless I know who you are. And you don't think my men and my women are going to check you out to make sure you're not going to turn on the family. And then we'll talk. Then you can have the benefits of these things. I mean, there's just so many things that speak to Yah. It's just everywhere. 
And how many times have you heard somebody say, I signed my life away. Sign my life away. You know, you you get a loan for a car. You get a loan for like a house loan. You're just sitting there and, okay, sign this line right here. Okay, initial here, initial here, initial here, sign here. Initial here, sign here. Initial here, and this is, and each time they'll tell you that, okay, this is for this here, sign that, okay? Because you're you're agreeing to these terms, and that's why it's important to make sure that you weigh the cost of faith. Make sure you understand the terms of the agreement with God before you sign on the dotted line, because you're going to be it's going to be expected of you. Don't do what we do in the world, and just somebody says, "Okay, this is for this is for this part." Oh, okay and you don't read through it to figure out exactly what it's saying and where does that leave you? So you, with God, you must sign your life away because, and that's the process of, okay, right here, you know, are are you, how do you feel about sin? You know, initial this, that, no, I don't agree with it. I never will. That's not okay. I'm not going to do it. And then, okay, initial here. All right, now let's move on to the next step. But you can't, God will not let you go to any step beyond where you are if you don't understand it and sign or initial that you understand it. it, it that's a, a fact. Now, many people will attempt to go beyond where they are, but with God, you're not going to get the credit of righteousness if you don't sign all, or you're not going to get the debit of righteousness if if you haven't signed all of the places that God says, do this, do this. And the, the word of God in the Bible is full of all kinds of different places where it talks about this is what is expected of you, both Old Testament and New Testament, in that perspective. Okay, yeah, just I just had a bucket of water dumped on me, but it's a good one. Phil, do you realize that we have we have another scripture that, and we know that this is true, but this unequivocally proves that you have to go through the first covenant to get to Yeshua. The promise that Yah made to Abraham, who was it for? Which promise is that? Oh, let me, not to just, the, well, I'll give you the scripture that the promise that was given to Abraham was to Abraham and his seed to Abraham and his seed, meaning Yeshua. So you have to go to Abraham first, because if you don't go to Abraham and you don't walk the life of Abraham, then you have no part in the promise because it mentions that the Israel of God is, it's not all of Israel is Israel. It's those that have the faith of Abraham 
because Abraham was looking to Yeshua and his day, but you must walk. Abraham is the picture of doing it in the old covenant. He's the picture of circumcising your heart. He's a picture of repentance towards God. It's all the external. And Yeshua, it just, what's interesting is the, the new covenant is just a renewing of the covenant. It's a transfer of the covenant agreement to the spiritual. So it's just taking it, all it's doing is it's just taking what you've already agreed to and putting it to the spiritual. And because, it, like, think about Abraham. All right, leave everything, leave your family. All right, well, you leave your family and you go to the kingdom of God, to another family. You know, I'm going to obey God no matter what. All right, well, Yah knows that you're not able to obey the way that we intend until sin is out of your heart. So all you can do is do it in your mind. But we don't want it to stop there, that it goes to the heart. And so it's the fullness. What's interesting is, I just saw about this, is is there anything in the world that you do that doesn't involve covenant? Because I was just saying about this, you go to a drive through window and there's an agreement. All right, you give me the money, I give you the food. You know, it's not give me the food. No, wait a minute, where's your part? Where's the money? No, just give me the food. No, the agreement is you pay for it, you get it. And, you know, same thing with a, how many people have cell phones out there that do you think that you're getting a cell phone contract? Don't think that you don't have a contract. You might not have read it, but if you go somewhere, there's some kind of paperwork you've either signed electronically or physically that's got the contract. And I guarantee it's little tiny terms of about 10, 12, 15 pages of privacy statement. Um, you know, an agreement that you're not going to sue the company and you're not, if you go to arbitration, here's your rights. And you think what? Yeah. Go to your phone contract. You don't think they have an arbitration clause in there that don't think you're coming to me with, with something that, yeah, you can go to arbitration and here's your rights as, you know, even you're watching Netflix or something like that. Go to the, the, um, terms page and you read all the attorney like thing and they'll even tell you read the the attorney language and you just scroll through the privacy i don't need that i'm just watching netflix well be careful because wait a minute i bought this movie i own it no you don't own it go back to the and you scroll through and the digital oh there it says you that we can it's just interesting go in like peacock or netflix and just go to the you don't think that well, I'm just watching Netflix. This is any big deal. You go to the terms page and you look at all the attorney language in there about, and you would think, why do they have all this? Well, to protect themselves. And the same thing with y'all, we're protecting ourselves in this. My name isn't going to be shamed in this if you break it because I'm not breaking the covenant. So you can't put it back on me. And that's the point of it is make sure you know what you're signing because you're not defaming my name in this. I'm going to keep my part of it. So you can't blame me if you default on this contract because you see all the terms here. You're the one that agreed to this. I didn't make you sign anything. So don't blame me for this. That, that was just coming to mind that, yeah, you think you're, well, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with this phone company. And well, what did you sign? And you'll, well, you expect me to read all that? Well, why did you sign it if uh, I didn't say you had to or didn't have to read it, but you're the one that signed the contract. And that's what I found in my work is that people would get upset. And what we do, we go back to the contract. Did you read it? Well, nobody reads the policy. But with faith, that's a problem. If we don't read the policy, that's a big problem. Well, in when you look at a lot of 
like the cell phone companies now. Okay. And this is funny because it, it's a, it, it's not the truth, but it's what they say. T-Mobile, no contract. It says no contract. They, their commercials say no contract. But that's a lie because if there's no contract, then if I don't pay my bill, then I can keep on using T-Mobile. <laughs> no, you don't. No, no. No, you've, you, you have a contract even when you don't think you have a contract because you by you using that service you uh, agree to the the contract that they have now their their motive behind it is well it's just a it's a month to month thing meaning that we're not going to lock you into a two year contract of you have to stay in this you know you can get out of it next month but you can't not pay your bill and still have service because that's part of the agreement, the contract. I mean, otherwise, obviously, they wouldn't be in business very long if they didn't have that. And so even times when it's the perception that there's no contract, that's what the enemy wants you to do. You, you, it's all free from God. It's the grace of God. There's no contract. No contract, just you accept it and done. Well, even that, you're accepting the contract, the contractual agreement of the enemy and not of God. You must, you must find places of the contractual agreement with God. And it's just really important that people understand, again, that you have to go through the process for a loan or a credit. And when you get that credit, it's still expected to be paid off. Abraham getting a credit of righteousness, his credit, I mean, his, yeah, his credit that he built up had to be paid off. But he wasn't capable of making that payment. Messiah dying on the cross, which gives you circumcision of the heart, which gives you the ability to pay. Now, Abraham perished on the earth before Messiah came, so he had to go in those that, that holding place, waiting for Messiah to finish his work, and that's when Messiah went into the depth of the earth. He didn't go into hell. That, that's a, a misunderstanding, misquoted, mis. Uh, spoken about aspect that, well, he went into hell and no, he didn't. He went into the earth where all those people from the days of Noah up till the time he died were in those uh, dungeons waiting for the time that he would come and bring the division. Then he paid his price by his sacrifice for all the Old Testament prophets, Abraham, Noah, Moses, going right down the line, those people were then led to Abraham's side. Then the others were left in the place of in a place or brought to a place of torment 
And once that happened, you can't cross over from here to there. The difference is, is that Abraham didn't have the ability in his day to have the circumcision of the heart done by the Spirit. All he had the ability to do was his circumcision of his heart, which he proved to God that he had, and that's why he was credited with righteousness because of that perspective. The circumcision of the heart done by mother is is the added piece that we have that they didn't have. And, but it's not a removal that we don't have to walk like Abraham did. No, we must walk like Abraham did, but we must walk it to the point that God says, okay, now I gave you a credit of righteousness because you walk like Abraham in accordance to the law. Now I'm going to give you a debit so that you can walk like Messiah, that you, you can live his life while you're here. And again, we're not taking away any of the ability or the credit of Messiah and the work that he did, uh, because without him, none of this would be possible at all. And we would all be condemned to hell because of our own choices and actions. But because Messiah came, Messiah came to show us this is how you do it. I'm going to be the, the, the first fruit, which is the first one who's going to crucify himself because he said, he didn't say, you, you take my life. No, he said, I give up my life. Well, it's the same thing, and we're called to walk in the footsteps of Messiah, which means you must crucify yourself with Christ. And again, we've talked about this. This is not a physical perspective, but this is a, uh, in your mind, you're putting to death selfishness so that you can love other people in an appropriate manner. If you love other people in accordance with the way you've loved yourself in selfishness, which is in selfishness, you're doing anything and everything that you think is best for you. Whether it is or not is a different story, but the reason you do the things you do, you do them because of selfishness. You can put, oh, I, I just really wanted to help this person. And you, know, you can bet that something in your, your subconscious, there's an ulterior motive that you're not seeing. And this goes back to what we've talked about in previous podcasts of the uh, psychology of the mind and how you don't know a lot of the stuff that's going on within you because you're not paying attention to what's in your subconscious. Well, nobody can know that because uh, it's your subconscious is below the surface. Nobody can know it. Yes, you can know it, but you have to dig into it and you have to want to know it. And that's part of the, that's all part of the application process as well. The application, the credit, the debit at all, it's a continual process because like we've talked about, once you enter the process with God, you know, like the gospel message, it's perceived as being linear that, well, I, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's it. It's done. Where the gospel message is circular, it's continuing to grow. And so as we continue to grow in faith in God, 
and we continue to learn more, we get the ability to get more debit on our side as we gain more knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Because remember, the word says, store up for yourself in heaven with the treasures. Don't store them up on earth because moth and rust will destroy, but store them up where they can't be destroyed. And the greatest treasures of God for us here are knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of the truth of God, and they cannot be destroyed by any earthly or spiritual perspective at all. Well, and it makes sense is why Yah is bringing this out is, and we haven't necessarily gotten into a lot of the podcast of breaking down all the steps of the gospel message, but what a great way to understand when we break down the gospel message in more depth of, do you see it as a contract? And each part of this is part of the contract that you have the repentance, which is the old, you know, part of the, the first part of the agreement and then the obedience, the new covenant, and then mother sealing the two covenants together to make the eternal covenant by the sealing of it all to where it's signed, sealed. And like you said, the Stevie wonder signed, sealed and delivered that, that's why when Messiah is coming back, he's coming back to those that are the purchase possession, as it says, because you, we have a contract and the contract is for the children that the father has given me. And I'm coming back for those that have contract with my father and mother and with me. So therefore I'm coming back for them, the purchase possession that I gave my life for. And you mentioned a statement that, that is important that what did Messiah do? He enabled us to be able to do this because he did his part. He put into effect the new covenant. So now our sacrifice is accepted now to where, because we gave our, our best just like Abel did. And because Messiah has given his, that God will look at our sacrifice with favor because we're doing what is right. And no longer do we have our head downcast, but we have our head held high, not in an arrogance, but in a humility of, I walk in righteousness, so therefore the sacrifice is accepted. And, and that's just another picture of you've got to come to God with the new, the old covenant of you give to God what you can give them, but they were more pleased and looked on favor on Abel's sacrifice. So that's telling you that the son coming is really the, the desire of Yah is that's the one that they look at with favor. So find your place where you have the favor of God, just like Abel, because in the old way we would kill people and, you know, have hatred for people, but well, yeah, I, I was doing all these things and I thought I was, and yeah, but if you do what is right, so just continue. So really what you're doing is you're, you're signing a contract of righteousness with God and Yah, Yah is, well, okay, well, we'll make this complete once you do your part and then we do our part. And, and that's the thing that if you do your part, then Yah will do theirs. It's not the other way around. Yah doesn't do their part first and then you do yours, you know, because that's the thing you draw near to God first, then they'll draw near to you because I mean, when was the last time you had a bank just coming to your door, just giving you money and people say, well, that's ridiculous. Or, you know, the grocery store, they just come to you Well, they do, but you have to contact them first to place an order for them to then come to you. So just another one of the cause and effect aspects that you can't get away from this, that there's contracts in everything that you do. You don't even, you know, see it as a covenant or a contract, but 
Yeah, because why do you get upset with people? You Well, you didn't meet the terms of my contract, which my selfishness states that you should do this for me or do that for me or or whatever the concept is. So yeah, this is just, it came to mind that this is just another depth and just another foundation to be able to understand the gospel message. It is. And like we've talked about before with the gospel message that it's not just for getting yourself to the point of circumcision of the heart. It's a continual circular process. Everything will repeat itself. That's how you grow and increase in the knowledge and wisdom of God is by every time something new comes up, you take it through the exact same process of the repentance, the obedience and the trust. And you just, that's a a perpetual, continual, nonstop perspective that will always continue as you have true faith in God. There is no just, well, I, committed myself to Christ. So that's it. That's all I have to do. No, that again, that goes back to the once saved, always saved mentality. And that's not appropriate. It's not right. It's not what it's about. And so it's just really important as we look at these things to really dig into them. And the Bible tells you about it. If you dig into it and you look and see what God expects, see, because God being the uh, loan officer, go back to the Old Testament and see what God expected of his people and what happened to his people when they defaulted on the loan. You know, the Israelites standing at the base of the mountain, you know, we will do everything the Lord tell, the, the Lord said to do. Just make it so that you speak to us, Moses, and, and not God. And they defaulted on that, and that put them in a place where they had to uh, pay the price, and it was a price that they couldn't afford, and a lot of people died because of it <clears throat> and died without faith in God, and so it's just there's so many things. Uh, it's just important as we look at that you have to first apply to God And then God has to give you, when you repent, God gives you the credit of righteousness, which is the forgiveness of sins. But that is not, if you're just living in the aspect of forgiveness of sins, you haven't gone far enough in the faith journey because you have to get to the place where you no longer sin and you have ownership in the righteousness, not a self-righteousness, because this righteousness that comes from God will be a righteousness that says, this does not make me better than anybody else. This makes me better off because of the position that I have with God, but it does not make me better because we, the self-righteousness exalts you above somebody else that you think you're better than they are. And that's not what true faith in God and what true righteousness looks like. True righteousness looks like humility and that fact that, no, I'm not going to exalt myself over you. I'm not going to make it as though I'm greater than you because I have this righteousness. 
No, I'm going to actually do the opposite so I can help you understand that I know I can, I can empathize with you because I know I've been there. And all this stuff that we talk about, we talk about it because we've been there. We've lived it. We walked through the concept of accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And what benefit did it give us? None. Until we walked through the application process with God and got a credit of righteousness, then we could prove our credit score. And here's the thing. Many, many people in the world continually check their credit score. They want to make sure that their credit score is good, and they're doing everything they can to build a good credit score so that <clears throat> if they need to borrow something, then they, they have the ability. When was the last time you checked your credit score with God? When you're sitting there thinking, Gosh, I know I'm not supposed to be doing these things. Why do I keep doing it? No, I just, I know this, I know I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. So it's, but you keep going back to that. Well, you got a poor credit score and you know, you do, you know, you have your credit score is like 150 <laughs> and you know it. And you're like, oh, well, Oh, I, I'll accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that'll boost my credit score all the way to the top. No, because in the midst of that, you find yourself going back to, well, did I really do this? Is it really the, I'm, well, yeah, I mean, how could it be wrong? Everybody says it's right. Everybody in Christianity says it's right, so it's got to be right. And then you convince yourself for a little time that, your credit score is up there until you do a in the dark by yourself evaluation and you realize that your credit score is in the dumps and you need to have a good credit score before God. And the way to do that is to prove faithful that that's how you do it. Every time you prove faithful to God, it builds your credit score. It's just like you're doing the same thing with your credit card companies when you buy something and then you pay it back and you buy something and you pay it back. They can see that you're faithful in paying it back. They, they can see that, okay, they, they're paying it back. So it's not an issue, not a problem. So they're being faithful in it. So we're going to report to the credit company that, oh, the, this person who borrowed money from us is acting in good faith and they're paying back what they borrowed. And it happens not just with credit cards, with house loans, with uh, uh, car payments. Uh, whether you make your payments or not, they're going to report to the credit bureau so that it's known whether you're making your payments or not and if you're, you want to be making payments and you want to be making them on time, which is a faithful perspective. And so you build credit in this world by being faithful to the creditor and making your payments. Why would it be any different with God? No, God is the creditor. And when you prove faithful to God, then 
that's when your credit score will go out the roof. And when you have a credit score that high, they say, okay, we see that you're faithful and you've been faithful in this for uh, this long a period of time. Okay, now we're going to give you a debit. You don't need to borrow money from us. You don't need to borrow righteousness anymore. We're going to give you the righteousness through you having circumcision of the heart, the removal of the stone from your lower conscience, which is then gives you the ability to change your heart in your your lower conscience because at that point you've already changed your heart in your mind that is your part of circumcision of the heart and then god will give you the ability to do the other and but when was the last time you really cared about the credit score of god as opposed to the credit score in the world because in the world your credit score may stop you from purchasing something. Oh, big deal. But your credit score with God, that's going to keep you from in being in the kingdom because you don't have what it takes and you have to have ownership to be in the kingdom. Fullness of deity in bodily form. I think we had maybe talked about the scripture once or twice in our gathering, but I was just sitting there and was just like, wow. And this with anything, there's more understanding, but there's a scripture in Romans and I remember reading a few times and it was kind of like, now what is y'all talking about here? And I was just sitting here. It's just like, wow. Okay. So if I remember right, it's Romans in the first chapter and Paul makes a statement. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for in it, well, in that righteousness of God is revealed, and it says that it's the power of God unto salvation, but it says from faith to faith. And I was like, wait a minute. A righteousness from God is revealed from faith to faith. That you've got to have faith in the first part of the contract to then transfer to faith in the new covenant because a righteousness from God is revealed and even mentions about being fully pleasing to God. Well, how do you fully please somebody if, if the fullness isn't there and that you continue in it? So it made me think of you must go through the gospel messages in the Old Testament and Messiah is bringing the good news of the gospel and how does he start his ministry? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So it's this process of it's the Old Testament. You've got to come at it from the Old Testament to then it just transfers over with the New Testament. Messiah's just showing you how to live the spiritual aspect of it in the heart and giving you more understanding. But yeah, you won't even come to him unless you come at it, um, go through the Old Testament first to come to Abba first and then to go to the to the New Testament. So it's just the the depth of this is just is awesome. And this is just another aspect just to add more detail to the gospel message to give a good foundation to where when we're presenting this, it just helps people to be able to have the opportunity to understand more and more. Well said and good understanding coming from Yah. So we're going to close out for this morning and we're just going to let people know that once again, we have a email address 
Hidden Treasures Revealed at AOL.com. We have a Facebook page. If you uh, would like to contact us through those, uh, feel free to do so. And I, well, we will be back. Well, Sean will be back with other guests on uh, this coming Tuesday and the following Saturday. So for Sean and myself, everyone have a good Saturday, a good week whenever you listen to this. And just remember, you must have a credit of righteousness like Abraham, so you must walk through the Old Covenant, and then you must get a debit of righteousness with Messiah in order to be in the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.